Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Ian Willoughby, Chief Architect Cloud Solutions, and Skip Berry, Executive Director of Cloud Enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Welcome back to Cloud Crunch. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what you do when you're in the cloud. Now what? So let's set the stage. But before I do that, I want to introduce my co-host once again, Skip Barry. Skip, how are you doing today? Hey, good, Ian. Good. Great to be with you again. Yes, yes. And today we once again have uh, Michael Elliott from uh, Second Watch, one of our great colleagues and uh, who does a lot of great research out in the field. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing well. It's pleasure joining. Thank you. Awesome. 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 So let me set the stage here for a little bit for our, our, uh, our listeners here, what we're going to be discussing. So you've migrated your applications to the cloud for a reason. Maybe it was for the unlimited scalability, powerful computing capability, ease and flexibility to deployment, or movement from CapEx to OpEx. It could even maybe be because your boss told you to. And we hear that quite a bit around here, to be yeah, honest with you. We get a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Hopefully you're asking the whys behind that one. However you got there, you're there. So what's next? How do you take advantage of your applications and data that reside in the cloud? What should you be thinking about in terms of security and compliance? So with that, Michael, hopefully you can tell us the five things you should be considering in order to maximize the value of being on the cloud. Well, thank you, Ian. And some of this information comes from a study that we contracted externally to to kind of pull this information in. And really, the five things that really resounded within that study were, one, and not really in order, but number one, create competitive advantage from your AWS data or from your Microsoft data or from your Google data. But how do you create competitive advantage now that that data exists within there? Second one, now, how can you use that movement to cloud to really accelerate your application development? The third one, how can you increase the security? And we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but, you know, how you manage security in the cloud is very different or has some very different components than how you manage in a cloud environment. Fourth is now that you have data there, what about cloud compliance? What about data compliance? What about data security? And then finally, you know, we, and you probably have heard this somewhat cloud spend and how do we reduce cloud spend and in turn, use that savings to accelerate application development and deployment. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, these are some good topics here. Let's let's dig in a little bit from your interpretation on uh, really that, that create the competitive advantage part from the data. We're definitely seeing this more and more. And, and it's, uh, what, what are you seeing? Well, I mean, first of all, you've, you've loaded all this data over there or you're in the process of migrating some of that data or whether it's IoT and edge computing is pulling in data or streaming data starting to come in. But all of a sudden, you have this wealth of information for you to take advantage of. Great. Now what? How do I take make competitive advantage with all that data? And how do I incorporate external data into that? So it, it's all the data that I've created and collected about whether it's my consumers or my manufacturing operations, wherever it might be. But how do I also insert external data within that? And there's 
that's not an easy skill. And it's probably not a skill that you have in house. So, you know, I'm going to put it back to you, Ian and Skip. You know, from what you've seen at a high level, how are people taking and making creative competitive advantage from this? I think from my experience of recent, it's a convergence point of, uh, you know, you have your data scientists meeting with your data analytics people that are more on the, they know how to set up the, we'll say the, uh, the constructive side of infrastructure and what have you to support it. And now it's starting to matriculate upward into the business and working with data scientists and marketeers, uh, if you will, uh, and then uh, the other lines of business to actually learn what they can gain from this. So I think we're, it's not nascent, it's beyond nascent, but I think it's an evolving uh, space. 2021 will bring on uh, a lot more maturity in the space. And do you think the enterprises that you talk to have the experience, have the skill set, or is there a huge gap there? I think two gaps. You have that, the pure tactical of uh, the skill being there, but you also don't have the mind share there yet, right? Of, of that congealing thought of, hey, this is something that we can do to make the company more performant. Uh, be more competitive and what have you. Um, you see it a lot. I think uh, hotel industry, uh, travel industry broadly or what have you, right? Using all those competitive advantages with all the user data and what have you. But now I think if you look at brick and mortar businesses, you know, they're trying to emulate your Amazons, your your big shopping places or what have you. And it's all back direct to customer experience, right? At the end of the day. So, and, and one thing, you know, beyond just vertical, it's different departments that have a more vested interest in the data versus just your traditional IT department. So it's the departments, it's marketing, it's finance that are kind of leading some of these initiatives is what we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're also seeing is kind of the greatest success when, when it actually does get executed correctly and in, into to kind of uh, add on to what Skip said there. And we talk about this all the time. It's creating that business case and what the outcomes are on the front end. But it's not just doing it in a vacuum. It's it's doing it with, it could be the sales organization, the finance people, the operation, you know, all the different aspects of the company that this may touch so that they truly understand, you know, which way they're rowing and they're all trying to row together. Because if you create a great competitive advantage, but your salespeople aren't bought in, you know, it could be done in vain as well. So it's not just a technical problem, it's a, it's a business problem. I was going to say, this is this is interesting. It's an abstract of this, uh, but it's a contract to that fail fast, learn, and go do it again as well, right? Now you have that data in the hand. The whole business can learn really quick. Uh, are we doing the right thing? Back to a sales campaign, back to uh, a product that I put out there or what have you, all that kind of stuff. If you look at it really at the at that tangible level, and the business mindset evolves to, hey, that didn't work out. Let's go back to the drawing board. And you're getting back in like a 30-day cycle as opposed to what used to take six months, a year, two years to understand what was selling, what wasn't, et cetera. So, but getting all the way tactical back to have a platform in the cloud now that you're there, that's a great place to go and leverage it. Yeah. And, and it's working. I mean, this is the other thing. You're talking about that fast iterative cycle. The, the cloud technologies that continue to get launched are, are really closing that loop time frame down really i mean it's unbelievable how fast these things can be done with the right people making sure you have good data you know validating all those types of things we're talking about weeks not months anymore let's talk about accelerate application development because that seems to fit hand in glove with what we were just talking about but it that's really maturing uh, it it really came up 2020 uh, 2019 obviously 
Uh, but definitely, definitely this year uh, for certain. And I don't see it slowing down for 2021 with a lot of the customers we're actively working with. Well, I, what I've seen is at first there was such a huge movement of that kind of lift and shift mentality of let's just get it to the cloud and figure it out later. So I think you're seeing some application modernization that's going on with the data that's in the cloud. But I also think it's opening up some space, both within data centers and within the cloud to start looking at, well, is this application what it needs to be or to take advantage of that data? What do I need to do from a developmental perspective to modernize around that and look at application modernization? So I think that's one of the next steps that you're in the cloud. Now, how do I take advantage? Whether it's, whether it's around, you know, Lambda functions or microservices, but I think there's a big movement to start looking at how do I modernize my applications? Yeah, for sure. We see it in the trenches here. There's a lot of back in the, uh, you know, the five R's and what have you. I mean, people are just looking to just say, retire that mess, right? And and just go to something new, right? So just, it, it's not even modernize what they used to have. It's just, let's start afresh. Let's look at something. We can do it a lot faster than even refactoring. And we can do it a lot faster than we ever did before. And And the cloud provides them that opportunity. But how do you make that determination of whether I should throw the baby out with the bathwater and start over versus, you know, putting a big Kubernetes container around it and going that route. How do you start to look at that, at least at the highest level? I think it's a, it, you have to have the mindset of a total TCO, really. And, and the TCO has to be inclusive of what you have for talent as well. And it's not to say that you're discarding or, uh, or any kind of attrition or what have you, but can you uh, retool your workforce, right? Can you bring someone in like, uh, like a second watch, come in and work side by side, teach, learn, grow, and get there? you know, faster than you could by even hiring new folks of what have you, if that's where you went. But it all starts with having the uh, the competency and really the confidence to go out and start to execute. And can you even go out and get the resources? Can you hire the resources? Well, you're speaking my language. It's a tough <laughs> game out there, but, uh, but yes, you, you, you can, and it's not slim pickings, but you have to, um, you, know, you have to have a process. We should probably have a podcast on that, but I might be giving away some secrets. You know, <laughs> <laughs> please don't. Yeah, yeah. The labor market's too constrained already. Don't tell people how to win at this. No, I think it's it, 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 all valid points there. It, but and we're seeing more people starting to look at these applications and saying, "We re- it is time. It is time." And I think one of the, the important aspects too, with that TCO is what is the customer value? What, how is the customer going to benefit from this? And it could be an internal customer within the business or particularly, of course, revenue-producing customers as well. It's not just – often if the, if the application is not – doesn't have a lot of challenges, it's very monolithic potentially, and you can't really figure out how to make it any better. Just leave that one alone and just allow it to continue to operate. But there's, of course, better models around how to take care of those applications than there were before as well. I think a big key driver too here has been the uh, proliferation or the or the advancement in databases and database platforms in the cloud has been a probably undercovered story of just uh, accelerating application development. Uh, what we have today and what's out there in the cloud as opposed to what you have to do on-prem and uh, what you had you know, for just databases to work with at scale that that little nugget there of history that where we where we have evolved over the last five to ten years has really accelerated application development itself. So well, and that kind of brings in you know we've looked at application and application development. We've looked at taking advantage of your data. 
What about security and all this? Because that was one of the third things that came up within this is cloud is different and you need to look at security probably a little bit differently in the cloud. And I have no expertise around this. So I'm going to push back to you and say, how is it different? What do you need to be thinking at from a highest level perspective? Yeah, absolutely. You know, security is not going anywhere, right? I mean, we're only continue to see more and more vectors of threats out there. So you got to take it very seriously. You know, one of the the blessings and the curses of the cloud is you can go fast. So that means you can also make a lot of mistakes very quickly if you don't put the proper guardrails in. So really establishing that that foundational component of what your your compliance and, and security posture is going to be and building it in to the whole framework of uh, uh, automation and how you deploy things self-service. So it's almost done automatically. But you also have to you know, use all the cloud native tools that you can. Most of them, you know, some of them are free that, that are specific to those cloud providers. You know, we're getting more into DLP or data loss pr- protection type tooling, IDS, IPS, intrusion detection and prevention, of course. And, and, you know, use as much you can. You, know, you may have an existing relationship with a, a existing vendor. That's OK. You know, keep doing that. But really looking at how to use the cloud, essentially log and analyze that data is very, very critical for the uh, uh, audit aspect because you can make it immutable and undeletable as well, which is another key component. But, you know, go out there and talk to people. Find out what they're doing. There's a lot of great patterns out there. We're seeing more instances where people are hybrid and what's getting attacked is really their on-prem things because it's more legacy-based. And and it's not because they stopped investing in it, but it's just done in a different way where the cloud native, there's a lot of, I, I, and, and I would never say, oh, it's all automatic. You know, and you got to work at it. But there are a lot of tools that are built into it to really kind of simplify it. Yeah, inherent. That's, a, that's where I was going to go as well. And uh, Ian, not to cut you off, but I think, if you're still holding on to that argument that the cloud is not secure in 2021, Vanna has some nice parting gifts for you at the end of the show. You know, come on, right? And, and look at nothing <laughs> secure. Uh, and I and I to throw out another acronym uh, to my dear colleague uh, Ian. You know, K I S S. Keep it simple. I think all of us have a responsibility to not build these, you know, labyrinth whatever applications, if you will, what have you. Right? Solve the problem. Do it as simply as you can. Yeah, there's eloquence and simplicity, right? And you have to follow that model. And you go to any kind of length of extravagance uh, beyond that, you're you're exposing yourself even further. And that's never changed. And and back to Ian's point there that he left off on, you know, inherently the cloud and cloud native is secure uh, by design, not foolproof, but uh, but by and large, we're a lot further along than we were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, right? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot more warnings that that creep in when you try to do something that may not be the best fit. But, you know, it all comes down to, in a lot of cases, it's still a people problem. And, you know, that's why proper cloud training, I think, is essential. And also just, you know, really reiterating from the culture that security is everybody's job as well. But not just saying that, but training them. What how is it that you can take advantage of the cloud native technologies to help? So. Again, training, 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 and awareness, and then just really following the best benchmarks and best practices out there. If, if you're confused of where to start and you don't really have a industry compliance that's driving something specific, look at the CIS benchmarks, You know, also known as SANS Top 20. Great, great starting point. You follow those types of things, you know, you, you're, you're way ahead of most people already. So kind of the, the sister to security is governance and compliance. 
And how do you how do you satisfy SOX audits with your data in the cloud? And, and I think you know going back to just the amount of data that's going in there, I think there's a huge gap that people are missing around just managing the data from a compliance and governance perspective. And what have you seen as far as how do you ensure that you're managing compliance, that you're managing those audits? I think so for, for me, from my vantage point, you know, Ian has probably not a different perspective, but um, a little bit different experience because he's at the different end of it. But from a delivery aspect and when we're doing this, the talk track really is that you're you're you know, all the CSPs, the major CSPs that you're that you're uh, potentially in already or going to, you know, it's in their vested interest to actually make it really easy for a company, especially an enterprise to go in there, right? So uh, they're going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. They're going to make it so it is almost foolproof, right? So again, back to even the security side of the thing, you know, so compliance now becomes everyone's job, but it's the bed is made for you really at the end of the day. And I think if you're struggling with that as a, as a company and what have you, it's more of a business problem that you should probably investigate how you understand compliance and what is required of your business. And then you find the right cloud or multi-cloud, if you will, and then you find a way to weave that into your business. I, I don't think, you know, the, the, the goalpost really hasn't moved. I think it's got a lot more amenable t- for customers to go into the cloud and make use of it. Both, you know, all the major CSPs are really on their game there. True, but they they make it easy for you. But when you get audited, they're not responsible. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. No, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I, I've struggled with this a couple of times. I have to explain to people, yes, AWS, Azure, GCP, they're all SOC compliant. That doesn't mean when you move your things into the cloud, you are as well. Because they all have a shared responsibility model. Yes, they're verifying who can enter the data centers and doing all those types of things as far as the physical physical security and hypervisor security. But when it comes up to your application and data, that's really where you know your compliance and security need to to really focus. So, it, it, but they also provide a lot of great guidance. If you if you just search for like, pick your favorite cloud provider and your compliance framework that you need to follow, and put the word best practices. You're probably going to find a 400-page document, and then also a 30-page document that summarizes it, and that that that's where you start. Start there, but you really, you know, what we want to see people do is really build in the foundation, these compliance and security aspects to, from the beginning. It, that doesn't, you'll never get it from the beginning. By the way, you know, it's it's an ideal goal, but you know, because you've already got some people dabbling in that test thing that you did became production overnight and you didn't even realize it. But really start there and and get the tools and the visibility and and learn how to look at these things. And then automation's your friend as well. So it, with the guardrails. So it'll kick back things when you are trying to do something that would not be part of your compliance program. Yeah, and that that's interesting because in the cloud, there really are no guardrails if you don't want them to be. You can scale infinitely. You get in trouble really, really quick. So, Oh, yeah. You can take that safety right off. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> so the last point I brought in was around reducing cloud spend. And by reducing cloud spend, like if you're an enterprise agreement, that can open up space for other application development or test things, you know, allow you to be a little more experimental. But a lot of people are focused on, I got in the cloud, it grew, it grew. Now that bill's huge. 
what are some of the ways that we can reduce cloud spend? So there's some interesting constructs within that that we can talk about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is a topic in itself. So we'll kind of we'll give some highlights around it. But definitely it's putting in get first thing is 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 visibility so that you understand what you're spending and where. So uh, things as simple as tagging your workloads and your different services correctly so that you could look at it in that angle. So it'd be related to a particular business unit, a particular environment, whether it be a production or non-production environment, uh, how the criticality of it, those types of things. But making sure that you have that in there and that those standards are already there, that will really help you being able to do the analysis but watching it and making sure that you're, you're eliminating waste. So again, a little bit of automation so that you have backups, you're not retaining them forever. Whatever your compliance is, it may be 30 days, it could be 13 months, just depending on the, the type of compliance aspect. But and making sure that you have life cycles to, to these backups, because we see a lot of waste, particularly in snapshots, unused resources. So that is, oh, well, I did these things and I turned them off, but you're still paying for the storage. Uh, you have databases that you spun up that haven't been connected to for a month. Maybe you can consolidate those into other things. So there's a lot of variety of different ways. Uh, and, and, the, and the cloud native tools, they all provide some type of cost analysis visibility. Start there. There are third-party products as well out there that you can definitely use when you get into more of an enterprise situation. I mean, I could probably rattle off 10 right now. Uh, they all do some function that will help you with that. But again, it's reporting, reporting, reporting. And when we go back and we talk about things like Cloud Center of Excellence, is making sure that you have a finance person on, on your cloud team as well that knows how to look at these things very well. And they'll get educated on it very quickly. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say to segue off of that, again, on the delivery side of things and helping customers get there, it's really the mindset thing again, right? Look at this as a we mentioned it talking with uh, Jeff Collins yesterday when we were speaking about this as well. Colleague Jeff Collins, it's the mindset that you have to approach this as where you had, you know, three to five year. And Ian even said in some cases, uh, seven year cycle of hardware uh, trying to leverage. You know, now you have, you, you know, you, you could monthly you could go and uh, make make better use of the resources that you're consuming in the cloud. Right. So. Uh, it is very much a, a mindset, a methodology that needs to be flipped uh, with inside the folks that are responsible for that. Uh, we mentioned about having this ingrained uh, with inside your CCOE, perhaps, of just helping drive the culture a little bit differently, understanding your spend from that way. IT really shouldn't be a sunken cost anymore in the business. It should be an enabler for top line growth, really. So, Yeah, and I, I think it, that's a very good point. And with the granularity now, you can assign these costs directly to the business unit. And so that now they have, they, 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 they want to know how much it's costing them because they're going to get the, the charge back at the end of the month or the end of the quarter. So they'll, they'll want that visibility to make sure that their business unit continues to stay profitable. This is fantastic. But before we go, I kind of want to wrap up. If there's one thing that you think is the overarching aspect of this, Michael, what, what, where would you tell somebody to, the first thing they should do once they get in the cloud? Well, that, that's tough to say that one thing, that one overarching things. I think it, it really depends on looking at your business and seeing what is from a meeting to your business goals, not your IT goals, but your business goals. 
what is really the most important for you as an organization to achieve? Are you risk adverse and you want to look at the risk side of things? Do you want to get better alignment with your customers and figure out how to do, do you know, digital transformation around that? So it really depends on you. But what I've tried to do is here are some five things to think about and see what matters most within your organization and then make decisions based on that. So focus on the business. <laughs> Got it. Okay. No, I think that's a that's a great thing to for everybody to remember. It's not always a technical challenge. Obviously, there's plenty of those, but it's often a business challenge. Well, that's this is fantastic, Michael. Thanks again, Skip. Always great to hear your uh, wonderful voice. Likewise. And uh, so thanks again, everybody, for joining. We'll be taking a more in-depth look at some of these areas in our next four episodes. But until then, thank you for listening. And please feel free to email us at cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com for comments, ideas, and suggestions. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Ian Willoughby and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter. Twitter.